Taft, today's modern law firm. Taft's municipal team works closely with local officials to keep them apprised of the issues and solutions most relevant to their needs. Made up of four corporation counsel, three former city attorneys, one former deputy mayor, and one former controller, we know the challenges you are facing. Taft, the modern law firm. To learn more, visit taftlaw.com. Welcome to AIM Hometown Innovations Podcast. This podcast is designed to offer insights, best practices, and innovative solutions for the challenges facing Hoosier cities and towns. Each edition will offer ideas and inspiration while showcasing the talent and commitment of Indiana's local leaders. Enjoy the program. Hi, welcome to the AIM Hometown Innovations Podcast. I'm Matt Greller with AIM. Joining us today is the Commissioner of the Indiana Department of Local Government Finance, Dan Shackle. Dan, welcome to the program. Thanks, Matt. I'm happy to be here. You know, it's um, really great to work with you and, and DL Jeff over the years. It's one of our most important uh, state agencies that it, uh, impacts every one of our members. Uh, so we just really appreciate your open door policy, the willingness of your team to work with us to get the best guidance out to cities and towns. Uh, just a fantastic working relationship. Thank you. It's my pleasure. And I, I, we enjoy our relationship with AIM as well. Um, obviously, your members um, are a large percentage of the folks that we work with um, from a budget certification standpoint. And any opportunity that we get to uh, communicate our message and get the information out to the folks that are doing the work um, in the counties and municipalities, we're more than happy to do it. Yeah, I really, really appreciate that. I um, was doing a little homework on you, Commissioner, and I know that before you were uh, Commissioner of the DLGF, you were in the Army and Army Captain. And I didn't know this, but you have something in common with my grandfather. He also received a, a bronze star from the army. So really appreciate your service to, to our country and, and your work in the army. How did that propel you into your, your public service career? Well, I um, needed to get my act together in college and, and joined ROTC. And that, that really was the switch for me as a young person that um, put me on track to um, go on and and um, and and do good things. I um, knew that I wanted to go to law school and decided that if I got into law school, I was going to go, and and if I didn't, then I was going to stay in the army. So, um, you know, I I ultimately got in, as is evidenced by me being me sitting here, and um, the rest is history. But the army really for me provided the opportunity to gain a lot of discipline um, and perspective on uh, on our country and, and ultimately uh, pub my public service. You know, you were, you know, more recently you were at the DLGF then you went to the BMV and then back to the DLGF to take your current commissioner role. You know, I know the BMV is the end-all, be-all state agencies probably to, to work for, but but what about DLGF that caused you to say, you know, I'm going to come back here and, and lead the organization and and take the governor's offer to be the commissioner? 
Well, I think it was a few things. Uh, the BMV was great. It's it's. Um, I led a, a large team over there of um, other than me, four other attorneys, some support staff folks, um, and I also uh, oversaw the fraud and security enforcement division of the BMV. Um, and and the BMV is a 120 branch retail operation essentially that, that resides in state government. So it presented. A unique set of challenges that um, that I was very interested in, but when uh, my predecessor Wes Bennett um, moved over to be a commissioner at the Indiana Utility Regulatory Commission, um, I I was interested in the job because um, I really enjoyed and missed working with local officials. Um, they're the folks with the boots on the ground that are doing the work and and um, are the kind of the front line of defense with with uh, taxpayers and um, uh, I enjoyed that when I was here before and, and looked forward to getting back into that work. Um, my the legal work um, here is very interesting and deep. I, I say on a regular basis that the DLGF oversees. Uh, more statutes um, per capita, certainly, but maybe overall than any other state agency. And that, that's evidenced by the fact that other than me, we have three attorneys in an agency of uh, 43 people. So th there's a lot of legal analysis that goes into it, which really um, causes us to, to do interesting work here at the department. And then finally, there, I had a lot of folks that I enjoyed working with at the department. Uh, many of, almost all of the folks who I worked with previously were still here. And um, I looked forward to getting back and, and working with this group because we have a really good team here at DLGF. I probably should have started with this, Dan, but uh, you know, most of the folks that listen to our podcast are municipal officials, but some are not. What is the DLGF, the Department of Local Government Finance, and, and what do you do on a day-in, day-out basis at the agency? Well, the DLGF is really the only state agency that oversees the, the property tax system from beginning to end. And so we work with um, the assessors um, on our from the assessment division perspective, and we have field reps on that side, and it's led by Barry Wood, um, who's been with the agency for 19 years. And um, we oversee uh, training, uh, much of the training for assessors. We certify assessor appraisers and tax representatives. Um, we perform the ratio studies um, every spring uh, that ensure that, that um, statewide county assessments are within the statutory thresholds, statistical thresholds. Um, we then move into um, you know, budget, the budget side and overseeing um, how the role and balance happens and then TIF neutralization and ultimately the submission of the net assessed values and the certification of those. Um, and then budget workshops and working with local officials to determine how they are going to input their data into the system uh, for us to ultimately review after they've adopted their budget at the municipal level. In this case, um, we we uh, review it, our field reps review it twice. Uh, so there's two sets of eyes on on all the budgets. And um, and then depending on the individual county and whether debt's taken out in December um, determines whether or not we uh, release budget orders by December 31st or January 15th. In addition, uh, we work with um, 
treasurers on a more limited capacity, specifically on tax bills, and uh, and make sure that those tax bills are uniform across the state. We have taxpayers that have properties in multiple counties, and they should be able to look at a tax bill and, and uh, it looked the same from one county to another. Um, in addition to that, I spend a lot of my time um, working with um, the legislators, uh, especially the ones involved with the fiscal committees. Um, I work with AIM and AIC and um, all of the school associations and the, and the township associations. There's a myriad of associations that we work with on a regular basis to ensure that we're both getting information out and we're listening to them to determine what kind of changes they'd like to see legislatively that we might be able to assist with. Um, so our, and then our communications piece is really important. I tell folks here all the time, we could be the best mathematicians in the world, but if we can't get out information about how, what the laws are and what the requirements are for local officials to complete uh, their budgets, then um, we're not achieving our mission. And so um, we, we try to communicate, whether it be through this the work with the associations, our webinar series presenting at uh, conferences. Um, we, we are always trying to communicate more and are always open to suggestions by any local official or association about how we can do that better. Um, I mean, our mission itself is to ensure a fair and equitable property tax system for any taxpayers. Our values are three, right? One is we put the taxpayer first. If there's ever ambiguity in a decision that has to be made that's, that the DLGF is responsible for, we always take into consideration what's the best outcome for the taxpayer. Um, and then we look at local control because we don't want the state or, or anybody else telling uh, municipalities or counties or townships how they are to perform these fiscal tasks because each county and i'm learning this even more as i get out and visit uh, various counties across the state each county has its own flavor each municipality has its own flavor and, and local control is an important part of the, of the fiscal system and and those local officials determining how to best um, implement their budgetary scheme within their within their unit. Um, and then finally, excellence in all that we do, which um, we take very seriously here. Uh, I have folks, um, everybody on my staff is is very concerned about ensuring that we're getting it right. We don't always do, we're human, right? But we, uh, we certainly make an effort to do that. You had a, a great segue into what I wanted to talk to you about next. It's, you know, no secret, we recently had a, a municipal election and we're literally, you know, going to have on January in January thousands of newly elected city and town officials statewide. You know, your organization, yourself, we're going to be, I hope, involved with this in in our work and to educate those folks. Um, you know, we've got a clerk treasurer's workshop coming up on January sixteenth. Um, but what are some of the most, you know, important things I think we can stress to these newly elected folks about DLGF and the department and how it you know, we need to work with you, maybe the top two or three things uh, that we can tell the, the newly elected folks. Sure, well, and and I'm, I'm happy to, to participate in this podcast with AIM, but participating with your associations, whether that's AIM or ILMCT or, um, uh, you know, the mayor's group or whatever, it, those 
we work with those associations a lot. And so if information is pushed up through those associations, uh, we're able to have really good conversations about the, the sort of the status of, of the, the fiscal landscape and how it could change or what's going well. So working with associations is, is definitely important. Um, AIM members uh, should ensure that they subscribe to the department's emails um, so that when we release something, it'll be in their inbox. If you're not subscribed, um, you can email our communications director, Jenny Banks, and her, her contact information is on our website, as is all of our contact information. It will get you added to the email list. Um, one of the memos that we get the most compliments on, which is the commissioner's email, it's not as a result of me, though, that, that's been going out for a long time, but it has a lot of information about what um, is happening in that week and what deadlines are approaching, um, which I think is really handy for local officials. Um, update your contact information with the DLGF and SBOA and the Comptroller's office. Um, you can send an email to those offices with your uh, new contact information because we do communicate so much. We wanna make sure that we're communicating with the current office holder and not perhaps somebody that was previous because there are more than 10,000 officials that we work with and it's, it's difficult to keep track unless we work together on that. Uh, request gateway access for yourself and others in your office and do that early. Um, a majority of submissions to the state will be conducted in the gateway portal. And not to mention the fact there's a, a, a wealth of information and data contained there that uh, local officials can utilize when, when working through issues within their units. So you can fill out and submit the request authorization um, to gain access to gateway. Um, or to the help desk, and uh, that's all done digitally. And next year, uh, we won't we won't be uh, collecting or doing that through paper forms anymore. It will be all online because we're better able to track um, that process when it when it comes in in a digital form. Um, webinars, sign up for upcoming webinars. Uh, YouTube channel with webinars and past presentations are available on demand for all local officials and taxpayers. Really good information. We've got folks. We have 502 years of experience at the DLGF. Just in terms of years spent at DLGF, it doesn't count all of the form, the folks that used to work in auditors' offices or assessors' offices. Or, uh, you know, Barry was a former elected township assessor. Uh, we've got a lot of folks who uh, have been doing this for a long time, and they have a wealth of information. So um, that's a good place to get started. And if you have requests for other types of webinars. Uh, that would be helpful for your units. We're always open to new ideas and, and are happy to present on those. Uh, and then finally, review the appropriate DLGF field rep maps and send your field representative an email to introduce yourself. Um, there's an assessment field rep and a budget field rep that's assigned to each county. Most of your folks in AIM will, will interact with their budget field rep. And these individuals are really your go-to folks. Uh, for any assistance that you might need, or at least the the initial right requests or, or questions go to them, and uh, they can either answer the questions or ensure that it gets elevated to the proper proper level.
That's great information, Commissioner. Really appreciate uh, you joining us on our Hometown Innovations podcast. One last uh, question that I that I had for you, and we talked a little bit about it before we started recording, but this past legislative session, the General Assembly uh, passed some legislation that would require a, a new um, spending plan to be submitted to the Department for Redevelopment Commissions relative to TIF. How do you see that working in the future and, and what uh, sorts of things should we be on the lookout for? So we are in the in, currently in the process of developing guidance. Um, I will say the reporting for those RDCs doesn't begin until December 1st of 2024, so almost a year from now. Um, because the law, the statute um, that was changed in code didn't doesn't take effect until January 1st of next year. Um, the reports ultimately will be submitted through the department's TIF management application, which we are updating um, as a result of funding received in the most recent state biennium budget. And so um, how to do that will be contained in future guidance that the department uh, releases. Likely the memo um, or the guidance will not contain specific guidance on what is to be contained in the spending plan. That will be up to the RDC. The statute does not lay out and doesn't direct the department to determine how the, the RDCs are to um, spend their money, but they are, um, per, per the um, statutory scheme, uh, required to stick to that spending plan with a couple of exceptions. And then also, I just wanna point out that um, you know, the legislature writes the playbook and the DLGF runs the plays and we're required to report to the Legislative Council each year are all RDCs that do not submit their spending plan. So just be aware of that, that, that we are we have a statutory obligation. That's, that's great advice and a, a great reminder for our folks out there with RDCs and, and TIF uh, allocation areas throughout the state. We certainly uh, don't want to run afoul of any any requirements the legislature puts on us. Commissioner, thanks for joining our AIM Hometown Innovations podcast. Uh, we didn't get a chance to get into this, but thanks for your love of Indiana University basketball. Uh, thanks to your, your service uh, to cities and towns. We really appreciate you joining the podcast today. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. This podcast was sponsored by Taft Law.